You're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German, as the big voice guy said, what a lovely show we have for you. It is Combine Week, and several Ohio State hopefuls uh, going to the draft are working out, getting ready, trying to build their case to be a better draft pick. Um, not one, though. Not the one everybody wanted to see in Indy. We'll get to that in today's show. We got Nick Saban's comments on his new role moving forward. But uh, as always, new show. Please follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking Apple, Spotify, 923thefan.com, the free Odyssey app. Please make sure to follow us as we are also on the 923 The Fan YouTube channel. Please make sure to hit subscribe there. Please make sure to uh, comment on the show. I've been a little lax recently, but as uh, Spencer can attest to here, I will go at you. I will engage with you rather at on the uh, on the comment sections on ninety two three the fan YouTube. But I need to get better at that. That's my I, bad. I agree. I'm I'm carrying the show. You're carrying the show by <laughs> doing all the hard work that I don't know how to do. But I'm carrying the show on the YouTube comment section. Probably not proportional. You're I'll still do, probably doing a hell of a lot more work than I am. In I'll, fairness, I'll do better. I promise. I, I will uh, step my game up. I will make sure that the so the problem is. I have like multiple YouTube accounts that I'm logged into at all times because I yep. for just other jobs that I have. And so I have to go through the process of like, okay, I need to log out of this, not log out, but I have to switch accounts. I have to go find the video. I have to now go comment. It just seems like it's very common, which really in the grand scheme of things, the process of me uploading the videos and cutting the videos and writing descriptions for the videos it's way more tedious than that. So I don't know why that seems like the thing that's like the most difficult part to do to me, but it seems like the most difficult part to do to me. I don't know. So I can tell you why. It's the same reason why when that week I've balanced my checkbook, done 25 hours of radio, checked in on my people, been a good dad, cooked dinner multiple times a week, despite the fact I'm not home for dinner. When I've been super dad, why I can't get off my ass to do dishes. Because you, you're like, man, if I do one dish, I could do every dish. You start building in a very – like, oh, man, I can't make coffee for tomorrow morning because I just – I just can't do another thing. And it's like, you just take the filter out. You put new filter in, the grounds, the water, <laughs> set the schedule. But in your mind, those four steps might as well be the four steps up to Mount Vesuvius before you chuck your ass into the volcano as a sacrifice 100 years ago – 100 years ago – a uh, thousand years ago in Italy. Like that's, you know, pagan sacrifices a thousand years. Same thing as making coffee for yourself or setting coffee for your next self for the next morning, even though, you know, it'll totally make the next day easier. Like, you're just like, nah, can't do it, brah. It's too much. I can't, I, can't, can't do it. Won't do it. You're definitely on a subject with like the idea that it's just something satisfying about like, oh, okay. I'm done with that. I can move on to the next thing. And you just don't want to think about like going back in any way. Not, not, I don't know. It, it, you're, you're 100% right. It, it's like you Vanessa, do teases yeah. Vanessa teases me. Vanessa teases me all the time. She's <laughs> like, why you're, you're talking about putting away dinner? Why, why are you acting like it's <laughs> like it's curing cancer? And I'm like, because I can't do one more thing. <laughs> you're, it's, it's, you, I mean, you bring it up in the home life. Like it's the exact same thing why after like a long day, I've had a lot going on. You know, maybe I, maybe I guest host with you or something like that. And I come home 
And then like the last thing to do in the day is like, oh, just put, just put the dishes away from the dishwasher. And I'm like, eh, I'll sit down for like 10 minutes. I've been standing and, you know, working all day. And then next thing I know, I'm like, I'm too tired. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to do it tonight. And then the next morning, it's it's a whole thing. So just take the 10 minutes it takes to put the dishes away. That's the Well, and here's the, you'll know this as a dad. Here's the other thing. Because my my schedule is set around my kids and I don't make the decision on my schedule, it's made for me every day. Yeah. That becomes the hardest out in your life. So everything at the end of the night is like one, you look up and it's you, you think it's 845 and all of a sudden it's 1015. And that <laughs> and that 540 wake up drum is pounding in your head. But then everything is like, no, that that's gonna put me 10 minutes closer to wake up. That's gonna put to my heart out. Of sleeping. And it's so funny how you just talk yourself into making the dishes, making coffee, taking the trash out, putting away dinner, anything that is so simplistic. It should take you five minutes that in the end, you're just like, uh, nah, I think I'm just uh, past my bandwidth. That's a good way for saying you're just overwhelmed and you, you've you've reached your point of I can't do one more goddamn thing on this planet. That I've reached, I've maxed, I've capped my maxed myself out. I'm on a max contract with the shit that I got done today. I will see you tomorrow. Like that, well, those dishes, they're gonna put themselves away tomorrow. Like this is really okay. And that's why uh they always say you have kids, right? Because then they just take care of that stuff. Then then you, you know what? That's the biggest lie ever. <laughs> I have 10-year-olds and I have a 13-year-old and I am still my own personal slave. My my <laughs> wife is still her own personal slave. The kids, it's like, hey, man, uh, you, you threw all this trash in the ground. Can you pick it up? Oh, why? I'm like, because you threw the trash in the ground. <sighs> but why? Other people threw the trash in the ground. Like you start to go through every objection that you gave your parents and now it's being slung back at you when there's two pieces of trash in the ground. There's a 10-minute fight to be had about a two-second thing. Just you wait, buddy boy. Oh, just you wait. I maybe you'll be maybe you guys will be lucky. Maybe you guys will have a nice indentured uh, indentured servant uh, servant over there. I'll say it. I almost said indentured servitude. Um, indentured servant over there. Maybe you'll have it. I got three of them, and man, they are the worst workers on the history of the planet. And it blows. It makes because then this is the other thing you start to do. Then the, the amount of work you put in to getting them to do the work, you could have done the work in one quarter time. Now I am a stubborn a-hole. So I will continue. I will waste those 20 minutes fighting about a five minute chore just for the sake of it. Vanessa's like, nah, dog, I'll just do the five minute chore. And I'm like, you're, they're winning. They're winning. Those little bastards are winning. <laughs> Hold the line. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like Mel Gibson. Like a scene from 300, you're just trying I'm, to hold it back. I was thinking of Braveheart. They may take our lives, but they'll end up doing their chores. <laughs> That's definitely better. I like that a lot better. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, this week in Indianapolis, it's it's kind of another Ohio State centric combine. Last year, the big question was: Are the Bears going to trade the number one pick, or are they going to keep Justin Fields? And one of the guys that could have been in the running for was C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback, at one. Well, this year, um, the Bears are debating whether to trade C.J. Stroud, former Ohio State quarterback, or uh, potentially take a quarterback at one and then trade him. And and obviously, there's the Marvin Harrison Jr. side of things, which is huge and a big news story we're going to get to later in the show. But I just think it's interesting, the situation Chicago's in. 
I said this on my national show. I said it yesterday. I said it last week on my local show on 92throughthefan.com. The reality is um, I don't think there's an absolute win for the Bears. Like, I think keeping Justin Fields and trading the number one pick comes with immense risk. I think taking a quarterback number one and trading Justin Fields comes with immense risk. And here's the thing. I think keeping Justin Fields and taking Caleb Williams with the number one pick comes with immense risk. I don't think there's a sure thing from where they're sitting. There's a lot of really intriguing options, which we delude ourselves into thinking are sure things. But man, I... I, I really think Justin Fields has been the victim of some bad coaching and some bad situations in Chicago, but I don't know I'd stake a franchise on it. I think that's different if Chicago does it than if Atlanta trades a second-round pick for him and then they're basing a year off of it. Because with Chicago, you've already got the three years you've spent on Justin Fields, plus this next year, plus that future conversation about do we have to give him a contract so we can substantiate our decision to go with him instead of taking Caleb Williams at one, if that's how they go. I, I think the contract thing is the big reason why Chicago, their, their hand is kind of forced here to me. Like they have to draft another quarterback because if they're still at, I, I always like to drop the line of if you're in year three, year four of a, of a rookie deal with a quarterback and you still don't know, like you're still asking yourself, is this the guy? I think you kind of have your answer. Like you, you don't, you don't a hundred percent, you're not a hundred percent sold. And that's, and that's, and that's no disrespect to Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is a fine player. I think that there's certainly the ability, like where he, if he goes to the right place, that's going to really build the offense around him and, and, and all this different stuff. Like he can still be successful in this league. But I think if Chicago is trying to do different things, and they're still asking themselves the question, is this guy the, uh, the the franchise quarterback for our organization? Then you kind of have your answer. Um, so I, I think they do have to draft a quarterback. Whether I'm, Obviously, I'm assuming that would be Caleb Williams, although this time of year is always fun for uh, the the draft, uh, just rumor mill and, and, and different guys like stocks rising. So I know Drake May is a hot topic right now, and he's he's here. He, he's in Indy. So um, – yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting scenario to be in. I think that Justin Fields um, maybe would benefit from a fresh start somewhere. I think there's certainly some teams that would like to maybe build their offense more around him. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know 100% what the answer is other than the fact that I think if you're if you're Chicago and you're sitting there and you're like, do we really want to – are we sure we want to pay this guy that big contract like you mentioned, you kind of got to – reset the clock on that. that that's the thing that getting bringing in a rookie quarterback does it resets the clock on it gives you a chance to sort of figure out if the next guy's the guy and then you can maybe pay that player but i think because you're not 100 sold yet on justin fields i do think they're probably going to end up trading him but it's it's going to be one of the hot topics here in indy just because of the fact that the bears are basically um i mean they, they have the number one pick so they're on the clock theoretically right that's always the thing people say but their decision-making is going to truly dictate everything that happens behind it and, and who's going where and what, you know, that means something for Marvin Harrison Jr. That means something for um, other, other quarterbacks, Drake May, some of these other guys. So it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. So I, I don't want to minimize what you're talking about contractually because I do think it matters. And a great point to, to like look at was the Giants not – 
picking up Daniel Jeremiah's fifth year or Daniel Jeremiah, Daniel Jones's fifth year option in New York. Then he went out there on his fourth year. They made the playoffs. They won a playoff game with him over the heavily favored Vikings. And it put New York in a position where they felt if they didn't, you know, sign him to a long-term contract, they were going back to the quarterbackless abyss. Well, the problem is because they didn't pick up that fifth year option, which would, would have set in a lower um, number, they give him four year, $160 million. And then I'm talking about three months later, that contract was an abject disaster. So you look to the Baker decision in Cleveland, like you can start to look elsewhere and understand that there's a lot of validity to the contract situation, the fifth year option going into year four, not certain. What I will say is I think we've gotten to a point where that overrides the real conversation. I think the reality is if you're confident, if you're more confident, Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback than Caleb Williams. I think that needs to be the number one thing that informs your decision. And I'll be honest with you, Caleb, I think is more what NFL evaluators are looking for. Right, that the people in the NFL are looking for the next Mahomes. Caleb did a lot of off script magic. He has an elite arm. What people are sleeping on is potential concerns of immaturity about skipping postseason stuff. I'm uh, sorry, post game uh, media availability. There was the fingernail thing two years ago. There is how involved is Daddy Dearest in the decision making? Because that could be a nightmare for an organization. There's a couple other like things. And again, I'm not saying maturity is a definitive concern, but I'm saying that could be, that's the kind of thing that holds a guy like that back. And so are one of the things that could hold him back. So you really have to do your due diligence and make sure that you're getting a guy who fits culturally what you need. Cause if that's the thing that undoes you, I mean, it's like, it, it's like, that's Johnny Manziel with the Browns. That's Justin Gilbert with the Browns. You cannot have that, especially when you've got a guy right now that the very least has been incredibly um, competitive in his lonesome and kept you in games with very little help around you. So I I agree with your take about, yeah, the contract matters, but I think we've gotten to a point in the NFL where it's almost like a cliche of, well, it's three years, let's rinse and repeat and let's move on to the next one. There's no guarantee that you're going to take, go from Justin Fields to Caleb Williams, and Caleb Williams is going to do what C.J. Stroud did this last year, yeah. and that Caleb Williams won't be closer to what Bryce Young was this year in Carolina. I think the the the, the, the it kind of boils down to like more bites at the apple, right? Like you're you're getting a chance to try a different quarterback, um, and rather than one that you've you've seen for three or uh, this is a different regime there than the one that drafted Justin Fields, but still, like it's a third year in the organization. They have more, I guess, understanding and, and empirical evidence of maybe who he's going to be or what he could be versus like Caleb Williams. There's always that dream of like, he has this untapped potential that we don't know about yet. Let's see how he fits in the NFL. So the, 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 I think that mystifies a lot of teams and that mystifies a lot of fans. Um, it gets you excited. So I get why that's a thing. You're right. There's no guarantee, but I do think it's kind of par for the course in the NFL where you, know, you see these. Can I hop in here? Because you yeah. just said something and you're right about it that I think is partially where the NFL loses me a little bit. The NFL is so drunk on potential and they don't just do it with number one picks, right? They don't just do it with like they, that's why that's honestly why someone's going to talk themselves into Justin Fields. And sometimes it works out, but sometimes it's like Sam Darnold in Carolina where he was bad in New York, not like, not like, eh, it's been, no, he was just bad in New York. And then he goes to Carolina 
And although he was an upstanding citizen, the guy was not much better. So the yeah. best he was in Carolina was at best average. And Carolina wasted two full years on that guy. And so I think that's the, the, the NFL is so drunk on potential, not to continue to go to the, the Carolina Panthers thing, but uh, Adam Rank the other day said the Panthers should consider trading Derek Brown to recoup draft picks. And so my thinking here is, all right, you got Derek Brown, who's a hell of a football player, and you're hoping you can get a, number, a first round pick for him because the Panthers don't have a first round pick because of trading up with the Bears last year uh, to, to go ahead and get Bryce Young with the number one pick. And that trade gave the Bears the number one pick this year. That's a, that's not the Bears' own native pick there. But like in this case, you're, you, Adam Rank is suggesting they should trade a known product who is entering the prime of his career, who is maybe not the perfect pass rusher at the defensive tackle, but he's actually one of those guys who, if you look at his ancillary stats, he's an insanely productive player. He's suggesting trading that guy for the, for at least one draft pick in the hopes that one day that draft pick could be an incredibly productive player. And I get, like, maybe they just want to focus it on a different position. Maybe they just want, but like this whole idea of, well, you know what? We need more potential around here. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a known quantity, a, a highly, I mean, just a very good football player, if not high-level football player, in the hopes of taking a high-level football a player with this draft pick. And it is just this cycle of potential, and it bites more teams in the ass. Yeah. Like, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, when you trade a, a proven NFL player for a top 64 pick, I would I would almost guarantee that more times than not the proven player continues to produce and the unknown quantity doesn't match up to that 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 potential of that other player. It doesn't well, always. Smart teams make yeah. good trades, but man, this just generality of well, hey, they need more picks. They should trade a good football player. Doesn't it in that antithetical to what don't like yeah. hey, we're going to get worse now so we might get better tomorrow or we might get the same tomorrow. I also think the potential, the, the 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 concept of potential also matters in the life cycle of these these coaches and these front offices. Like they they thrive off of that because it gives them something that they can bank on. Like, oh, we got this quarterback that we're trying to develop. Like we got to give him a couple of years, and then theoretically that gives that coach or GM a little extra time. I mean, J Jeff Fisher in the NFL did this when when he was with the Rams. Good old 500 Fisher. He he could never really do much other than the year that they they obviously went to the Super Bowl when he was with the Titans. But then it was like, other than that, he was always hovering around 500, right? Like that was always the joke with him. But the the his last few years in in LA, he had Jared Goff, and it was oh, you know, we're not going to pull that card out yet because we potentially have a franchise quarterback. So I I get why that matters, um, and I get why it's become a thing. But you're right; they probably rely on that a little bit too much. And you and I have both expressed on this show that there's there, there are concerns for Caleb Williams. And, and I think that's always the scary thing with the, with the draft in general and drafting these players. Um, there's, there are times where a guy coming out of college is a sure thing. We, we've seen it. I mean, Andrew Luck was one. And Andrew Luck, if you want to call him a bust because of what the hype was around him, fine, I get it. But, I mean, that guy coming out of Stanford, you knew he was going to be a really good quarterback. And he was – a really good quarterback almost instantly from the day he got in the NFL. It was just that he kept getting hurt, like injuries, injuries basically derailed his career. 
Um, like he was a sure thing. Obviously, like Peyton Manning was considered a sure thing when he came out. So every now and then, you get like one or two a decade that you're like, we know this guy is going to be really good in the NFL. And then all the rest, even as much as these people are going to be breaking down the tape and telling you why they know this guy's going to be good or that guy's going to be good. But we saw with Bryce Young last year, and then Bryce Young had a terrible rookie year versus C.J. Stroud, and the Panthers could have had him. So it's, it's an inexact science all the way around, and it makes it hard uh, when you're assessing these things. And we have concerns of our own about Caleb Williams. I mean, look at his record against the ranked teams last year. It looked like he really struggled when he was under duress. Like there's certain things that just didn't really show a guy who maybe is going to be great at the next level, but that doesn't mean he won't. It takes, you know, everybody deserves a shot. He'll get his. He's likely going to be one of the top picks, if not the top pick. Uh, but it is interesting – what that means for Justin Fields and kind of where he goes from here. So as the combine revolves around Ohio State again, Justin Fields, will they, won't they trade him? Marvin Harrison Jr., which we'll get to later in the show. It's funny, the most noteworthy thing I've heard Justin Fields say recently has nothing to do with his status with the Bears and all about his thoughts on the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're going to get to that next, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. So we talked a lot about Justin Fields' future, Ohio State's uh, former high-level quarterback. But, you know, he made a lot of waves on the St. Brown Brothers podcast last week by talking about unfollowing the Bears on social media. We're not going to have that conversation today because what he said beyond that and about Ohio State, I thought made bigger waves. Like, I don't give a damn about him. He unfollows a team on social media. Yeah, which, by the way, to... which, by the way, that 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 was the most BS <laughs> response yeah, I've ever heard. Try unfollowing your wife on social media and see how that goes over. And I get well, it's so, your wife, so it's okay. a little bit different. But, but, but try following your ex-wife on social media, because I think that's the conversation. I think the man knows he's about headed for divorce, and he's he's the one being left, and he's like, I'm not going to see you out with your new boo also, on I, social media. I also punched holes in his argument, because his argument was – Man, I'm going on vacation. I don't want to see any football on my timeline. And so I did a search of my own. And guess who he still follows? Ohio State football. I'm just saying, I get it. It's Ohio State. You went there. But you said you didn't want any football on your timeline. And it's not like he's going in and unfollowing, like, all his football player brethren who are in the NFL. Like, how do you know those guys aren't going to post about football? I am not doing it. You know why? He was lying. He, that's all it was. He was lying. It's okay. Well, he was lying. He had a valid point. reason to do what he did, but he that's was 100%. Point, I'm t- that's what I'm telling you. I, I further you proved st- that he's full of shit. Now, now <laughs> you've got me into this. You're, you're starting to work me up here. I'm not doing it because during the same St. Brown Brothers podcast, Justin Fields revealed his Ohio State Mount Rushmore, and this got people talking because it was Ezekiel Elliott, Troy Smith, Ted Ginn Jr., and Eddie George. Just on the whole. I need your reaction on that Ohio State Mount Rushmore from Justin Fields. Um, I think the the obvious reaction is that that's a really good Ohio State Mount Rushmore if you were born in like the year 1995 and like you started growing up caring about Ohio State football by the time you were like, it was like the year 2000, right? Then you kind of got, oh, okay, now we can start talking about these great players at Ohio State. And I, and I, I think – I understand what he was doing. I, I, I like. I, I don't find. I, I'm not like pushing back on all of like I, his his reasoning for Troy Smith 
okay, he won a Heisman. He's the last Ohio State Heisman winner. That one makes some sense. Um, but to ignore, and I guess this is a little bit of a peek to at least one person who I'm having on my list, to ignore the only player to ever win two Heisman trophies in the history of, of college football is just wild to me. So, so I, that was maybe the biggest one that I think he left off the list. Can we just start with this? It's really hard to do a Mount Rushmore yes. for Ohio State football. Yeah. Because there are no coaches on that list, which I think are, is a real conversation. Um, there's no defensive players on that list, which yeah. is ignoring a lot of amazing football players. And that, by the way, it, that's not a criticism of Justin. It just tells you, oh, and by the way, he's limited by being like a 25-year-old kid. So, like, I think, I, one, I don't think there's ever a true Mount Rushmore of 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 a of a college team. I think the NFL it's a little easier especially once you get out of like Green Bay and you know uh, Pittsburgh and like once you get to teams that maybe haven't had that kind of success it's a little easier to do the Detroit Lions. Is what I'm saying. No offense <laughs> Detroit. We love you. This is not a, an adjacent shot at Ann Arbor because of proximity. I just mean um it's it's I'll easier be, Hold on, doesn't the doesn't the song though go I don't give a damn about the whole state of Michigan so should we like Detroit? I don't know. But I actually have friends in Michigan, mm -hmm. and yes, they are Michigan uh, sympathizers, which is confusing, but they're good people and they're good at what they do. Now, so I think it's really tough to do this. Can I fault a 25-year-old kid for not knowing who – or not understanding the significance of Archie Griffin, though? Like that – Archie Griffin yes. was at his zenith 25 years before Justin was born. So, like, honestly, at some point – like, did we besmirch Hopalong Cassidy? Did we besmirch um, whatever left back in, okay. you know, 1941 was like a, a, a Heisman winner, one of the best and best to do it? Like, I there's a part of me that like a 50-year-old Ohio State fan will never have the same Mount Rushmore as a 25-year-old. And a 75-year-old Ohio State fan's Mount Rushmore is going to look different than a 50-year-old's. Like, I think some of this is just he's a very young buck with a limited scope. Oh, like, yeah. I think some – I got to give him some grace for just being young, That's, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm okay saying that this is about, like, him only knowing, like, the more recent guys. And, I, and I'm fine admitting that and saying that's why his Mount Rushmore looks like what his Mount Rushmore looks like. But I also think, like, you don't just get a pass for not knowing who Archie Griffin is. Not, not that he doesn't – okay, that, not, that's not fair. Not that he doesn't know who he is but not putting him on your Mount Rushmore when he, like Ohio state prides itself so much on like the history of the program. And like when urban was there and fields was obviously there under urban and then transitioned to the Ryan day uh, era, there was so much like they, they, they emphasized, he put a big, a big emphasis on the history of the rivalry and the history of the program and why this stuff matters. There's no, and, and also Archie Griffin is someone who, Seems like he's still pretty involved with the program. I mean, he's he's at games. He does stuff. He still advocates for Ohio State. He does different things. So I would imagine that they've crossed paths at some point as well, like that he has seen him or met him while he played there. So to just like completely blatantly, blatantly ignore the only two-time Heisman winner in the history of college football is asinine. I don't care how old you are. That seems like something that everybody who goes to Ohio State and plays football there should understand and know the significance of. You know, I got pushback on this. The historical Come significance. On. He doesn't know Ohio State's history. He Three of his four guys are guys there's no way he saw. He, he was born in 1999. Troy Smith's zenith was when he was six years old. 
Eddie George winning the, was one of his best player in college football but, but when Nick, he was minus four. So it does have some historical no, relevance. He just doesn't have it Smith from 25 is, years before he was damn born. The Troy Smith submission literally punches a hole, though, in the in the argument you're trying to make. Because if he if you said he was only six years old, how could he watch Troy Smith? Troy, he, the reason he put Troy Smith on there in the podcast was that he was the Heisman winner at Ohio State, and he was just – I think it had more to do with the fact that he was a quarterback. So, oh, I was a quarterback. He was a quarterback. He won the Heisman at Ohio State. So I got to put him on there. But then he can't use the same argument for Archie Griffin, who won two Heismans, the only player to ever do it in the history of college football? Like, what the hell are we right, doing? Now, now I got to ask you, um, who – what year were you born? 1991. All right, 1991. All right, so I'm going to go roughly 30 years before you were born. And who was Ohio State's safety that uh, was drafted by the Raiders? And he was a three-year starter for the Buckeyes and helped the the Buckeyes win the 1968 National Championship. Mike Sensible. It, it was Jack Tatum. How dare you not know your Ohio State? All right. This, uh, Mike this beloved, oh, he was, he, oh, yeah, yeah, you got me. This beloved Ohio State player was part of three Big Ten championship winning teams during his tenure at Ohio State. Two time All American linebacker, win to the NFL. He had 29 tackles versus Penn State. I'll give you the damn year. It was the, it was the mid to late 70s. What linebacker am I talking okay. about? Okay, Nick, but here's the thing. I didn't play football at Ohio Stop State. Stop like, <laughs> like I I was like I'm not required. I wasn't I guess it's not, okay, I shouldn't say required. That's not fair. But I didn't play football at Ohio State where that the player that we're talking about in Archie Griffin was around the program and was like talked about as one of the greats and I'm assuming I've never been to like the Woody, but I'm assuming that there's his pictures plastered all over the place, and his two Heisman's are on display. Like this is somebody that clearly has a historic. I'm not. I'm not expecting Justin Fields to know these players that you're asking me about. Which Mike Sensible also was a safety who won a championship in 1968. So screw you, Nick. My answer wasn't completely wrong. But anyway, um, no. Like I, I, I think the historical relevance of Archie Griffin is why. It matters. Like, not all these guys that we're going to go through and be like, well, what about this random corner who played for the Buckeyes in 1973? You should know his name, too. Like, no, I, I'm not saying he needs to know every single player. But it's Archie freaking Griffin. <laughs> the guy won two Heismans. Every year, the Heisman ceremony opens up when there's a set, when there's somebody on the, ta- on this, on the um, stage who has already won one, and they're like, well – He's got a chance to do something that only one other player in the history has ever done. Archie Griffin, Ohio State, won two Heismans. Like, his name is brought up every single time. How is there no history? To act like you just forget about who Archie Griffin is because I didn't know who the, the other safety was for the 1968 Ohio State team is fucking stupid. So so with that, I got you. I jammed you up a little bit. My bad. We're dogs. I'm, that's my I bad. I found my way out of it. I found um, my way out of it. I'm fine. How do you know Archie Griffin wasn't fifth on his list? Maybe he was. I don't know. See, because that's the point. Like, you think he just automatically forgot him. Like, why does Archie Griffin have to be on Mount Rushmore? Because he won two Heismans? And he still is up there as one of the greatest, uh, like, players in Ohio State history in terms of, like, the stats. He's he's up there. uh, 
still the to two, this day. The two Heisman thing is the thing that people reference more than just the stats. So he I, listen, still is though the rushing leader at Ohio State. We've we've gone down a rabbit hole. I did not intend to, which was specifically <laughs> should he know who he Archie Eddie is. George on there, and Eddie George also played four years at Ohio State, and um, I'm not the, Eddie George is a great player, but he didn't. He was still like two thousand yards behind Archie Griffin when he was done with his Ohio State career. So I think the problem with with this list here, and again, it's Ezekiel Elliott, it's Troy Smith, it's Ted Ginn Jr., and it's Eddie George. I don't I don't think you should have in in a place that has put this many wide receivers into the NFL. I don't think you should have two running backs on that list. For as great as running backs as Ohio State has had, I think you got to trim one there. And I really struggle with Ted Ginn Jr. being on the list too. Yeah. And so, like, I, I think, like, if we're, and by the way, if we're talking about, like, I think Zeke's off the list. I think Eddie stays. I, I, I think it really depends on what your qualifications are. Like, do you have to have beaten Michigan? Do you have to have won a national championship? Like, those are all fair qualifiers. Like, if, it, if you have to have won a national championship, Eddie George, you got to sit down, brother. Like, if you have to have beaten Michigan two or more times, all right, this guy, you got to sit down. So, like, you, I, I think this all depends on how we qualify what belongs on our list. I would say if we're putting somebody from the 2014 championship on there, it's got to be Joey Bosa, at the very least for me. Like, I I think Joey then goes into the NFL. Like, if we're, if we're talking about all the dudes who then went to the NFL, give me Joey Bosa. So a, a defender is listed there. Um, I actually am partial to Jack Tatum. I grew up – I never got to see I, Jack Tatum I, play, but, like, Got a lot of love for him because my dad loved watching Jack Tatum. Yeah. But um, then I think then I think it becomes all right. So the 2014 team is represented with, um, gosh, who's the uh, Troy Smith? I, I'm I'm on the fence whether Troy should represent that team because you could say Chris Gamble, Ted Ginn's got a chance. They have three or four defenders that belong on this list as well. Different defensive linemen, different. Um, linebackers. I mean, that whole team was stacked. You know, I mentioned Chris Gamble who played Mike Doss. Oh my God. Mike Doss belongs yeah. in this conversation. So it, but if Troy's the 2002, all right, you got to have that guy on. And if Eddie's the guy that didn't win a national championship at Ohio state on the Mount Rushmore, cause I, at Ohio state, I don't think you can have two guys that didn't win a national championship or, or, or beat Michigan every year. Then I think you got to pluck somebody off one of Woody's teams, and it would make sense that it's Archie then, because he is the guy that, yeah, Cousineau won a national championship, Tatum won a national championship, but everybody thinks of um, Archie Griffin when you think of the Woody Hayes era in Columbus. So that's more how my math. I need at least one great defender. I need a representative from each of the championship teams that have been in my lifetime. I'm okay given like Eddie George or Orlando Pace a spot. And Orlando Pace has been woefully underrepresented because that dude was the baddest man Jamma on the planet for Ohio State in the mid-90s. But then you got to give me a player from, from the national title team. How do you kind of view the Mount Rushmore-Ohio State conversation? Yeah, it, it, I, I, I'm with you on like it's it's big picture. And this is where this tough stuff matters because it's not so long ago we were having a conversation about if Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver that ever went to Ohio State. Yeah. And I said I thought he was, but that was from the perspective of, like, skill-wise, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that come through mm -hmm. Ohio State. Like, like the dude's incredible. He was incredible. Um, and so, for me, 
I, I, but like, I can't put him, like he might be like an OLI, like one of the like three OLIs on my list because I thought he was so phenomenal. I think he, he deserves to be in the conversation, but he probably wouldn't make the final cut um, because he doesn't have the accolades. He, he never beat Michigan. He never won a national championship. So I, I can't necessarily do that. But um, see, I, I actually think like I would maybe put Sensible on there. Still the, the, the leading he still leads the 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 program in, in all time interceptions. He won a, he won two national championships. So to me, like that matters. And he still is talked about as one of the the better secondary players. You're, you're um, not just doing this to try and continue to get your way out of the conversation we had earlier, right? No, I I actually was like this was the dilemma for me. Like I I I like that you brought Joey Bosa because I mentioned I thought Joey Bosa and I was looking for a defensive player to put on there, and I was like. I don't know, like, does A.J. Hawk belong? He won a national championship. But the only thing A.J. Hawk has, like, statistically is, like, he's, like, top five all time, I think, in uh, tackles for the for Ohio State. But, like, I, I don't know that that's enough to, like, be like, okay, A.J. Hawk's on the list. Um, but maybe if I need a representative for 2002, that's my person. Because, I like, Troy Smith was on that 2002 team, but it wasn't like he was – the star quarterback leading the charge. You know what I'm saying? So that, that mm-hmm. that's, that's what makes the 2002 team hard for me because um, I think it probably does deserve to be represented. I actually think um, – well, I, I'm obviously putting Archie on mine after I emphatically defended him. So I, I think Archie has to be on there. I actually think that I'd put JT Barrett on there, and that's my representation from the, the uh, 2014 team. He, he was on the team. He won national championship. He was – oh. Cardell won the national okay, championship. But the team was he was he if so, he got hurt at the very end of the Michigan game. So assuming he stays, he doesn't get hurt, he probably wins the Big Ten championship. And he I mean, I would imagine he still can he's still leading the team. I don't I, I don't know. I mean, we know that role was about Zeke, and that's why he ended up being on uh Justin Fields list. It but, is it is your Mount Rushmore list. I want to get I I I jumped you there. I'm sorry. It's just, it's yours. This is yours. You're okay to have different opinions than me. <laughs> I've been jamming people up left and right this week. I promise it's not you. Continue on with your totally valid I mean, list that I vehemently disagree with. The only reason, the reason, I, like again, I'm as I look like big picture on it, and I understand why people think like Barrett isn't this like flashy dude. Like I get it, but I. You don't have to defend yourself. It's totally valid. Is, but he still is like the all-time leading passer. At Ohio State, after playing the four years he did there, he still won a national championship. He was in the Heisman conversation. You got to wonder if he wins it, if he ends up playing in, if he finishes the Michigan game that year, and then he plays in the Big Ten championship game. Does he end up winning the Heisman? I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I I, I, you, I think the 2014 needs representation. So I'd be okay either putting Barrett on there or putting, um, or putting Bosa on there. So if I'm picking one of those two, I think that's fine. I think Archie goes on there. Um, I have to have a wide receiver. I, I As much as I would love to put Marvin Harrison Jr. on there, I honestly think I'd probably lean Chris Carter um, just because of I, – I know I don't Chris Carter never won a national championship, but I think the fact that Chris Carter became one of the all-time greats, he's a, pro, he's a Hall of Famer, and he still remains atop some of the records in terms of Ohio State history. Uh, he's – fourth all-time in receptions. He's still fourth all-time in, in total yards. Um, he's still up there in terms of single season. I, I can't – I like. Th- there's just so many wide receivers. To have 10, Ted Ginn, and I understand what Ted Ginn represented to probably younger generation of fan, 
to have Ted Ginn on there um, is silly to me. Um, I understand like the kick return thing and the receiver thing, but he's not even top 10 in receiving yards in Ohio State history for a career. So I, I can't do it with Ted Ginn, even though he is an all-time great at Ohio State. I'd probably say Chris Carter. Um, and then I honestly, I, I think, I, I think to your point, like you're right in that there probably deserves to be some sort of conversation <clears throat> about a coach being on there. Um, and I don't know, like I, I might, well, hold on. I'm putting, if I'm putting Bosa, Archie, Chris Carter. Are you counting how many? I've like talked about so many different players now at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I'd I would have Archie. I'd have Chris Carter. I would have um. You had you had you had what Eddie George instead of Archie? No, I think. Oh Jesus! Now you had yeah you had Eddie George. I, and you I had said. Smith. I said, um, representative of the 2014 team, representative of the 2002 team. Uh, one guy that didn't win. And by the way, I'd probably swap out Eddie for Orlando Pace so I could have Archie on because he's the true representation of that um, era. And by the way, if I do this later on my show today, I'll probably completely change the list. That's fair. <laughs> All right. So but what was your four again? Just real quick here. Um, if, I, if my four would probably be Archie, JT Barrett, um, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I forgot. Archie, Joey Bosa. I'm with you on him being the representative from that team. Um, I would have Chris Carter and I would probably put, who do I want for my fourth one? I'd, I'd, I'd probably just put, I'd, I'd probably just put Woody Hayes because of what he meant to the rivalry at the time that he was here. And I think that matters. All right, guys, we want to hear in the comments or at Nick Wilson says at spin C2 underscore uh, precisely who should be on the Mount Rushmore for Ohio State. Justin Fields was not great. It was it could have been a lot better. Let's just we admit that a young man born 1999. No age shaming here, but he's too young to have a fully formed opinion on this one. So a little bit of age shaming there. Um, leave your comments on the YouTube channel and our playlist there. Uh, if we see him, we'll respond to him. And we will get to the combine and what it means for Marvin Harrison next. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Final segment of today's podcast, guys. We're not going to do Michigan panic meter today because literally nothing has happened that would raise or lower our panic. By the way, you can't lower our panic because we have no panic about Michigan as of right now, as nobody should. Michigan shouldn't be panicking about Ohio State in February. That's not how this works. But uh, interesting story. You know, we've talked a lot about Justin Fields at the Combine, his Mount Rushmore. But given that Marvin Harrison Jr. seems locked to be a top three pick, it is noteworthy that Marvin Harrison Jr. has, one, not done any of the pre-scouting combine training that gets guys to be ready for Columbus and ready to dominate all these tests. Two, he has now also said he will not be um, working out or even showing up at the combine at all. So basically putting it all on his pro day and whatever tape there is out there at which it is exquisite tape. And the third thing is, 
Oh, he's not hired an NFL agent either. So it, let's stick to the combine stuff, the pre-combine lack of training, and now the not going to the combine at all. Is this a big deal, a little deal, or a no deal for Marvin Harrison Jr.? I think it's no deal. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I'm 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 out here in India, as you know, Nick, and I was kind of debating. I was trying to figure out if I was going to be able to stay through Friday because that's the day the wide receivers work out. And I was thinking like, oh, it might be cool to like be here for Marvin Harrison's stuff. But then I, I did that didn't end up happening just because with the kid at home, I had to figure out kind of how to balance being not making my wife have to take off too much work. So it, it didn't work out. So I'm leaving Thursday. But um, I thought what was what was interesting was then like it, it didn't even matter because he came out and flat out said like, yeah, I won't be there. Oh, OK. So it didn't really end up mattering for me anyway. Um, but I, I just think. The combine, I, I've said this before. I think we get further and further away from the combine, like meaning as much in terms of the like off season cycle of, um, like w- like the calendar events in the NFL. And I'm not saying it'll ever go away because we know Nick that the combine mostly is about sort of what we talked about the first segment. It's about the the scuttlebutt of. GMs talking to scouts and agents and who's going to do what. And this is where things really start to pick up in terms of rumors and what are the bears going to do at one? And what are the, you know, are the Browns going to trade back up for the first round? Like what are they trying to figure out what they want to do? So that that's why I think the combine matters in terms of like the NFL conversation. But I, I, I think the, the idea that you have to be here, you have to work out. This is the only time that you can really showcase yourself I think is 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 becoming a an archaic mindset and an archaic thought process. I think you'll see more and more players do what uh, Marvin Harrison is doing, which is, hey, I'm I'm not going to be there. Or I mean, we and we do see every year like guys just decide not to work out because mm-hmm. they'd rather work out at the pro day. Um, and in theory, like a pro day sort of serves the player better anyway because it's their environment. They're in a controlled environment. They get to kind of call the shots. What does Marvin Harrison? Somebody will try to spin this, I'm sure, because it, 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 like sports talk, radio, whatever. Somebody will take this and say, well, this, what, what does it mean that a guy won't show up to the NFL combine? Like, is he really committed to the sport? That, that, that'll be the conversation. I'm sure somebody will bring that up because some dumb dummy out there is going to try to have a take and, and make it a thing. But <laughs> hopefully it's not you, Nick. But <laughs> um, I, <laughs> now you're thinking about it. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't think this matters to somebody like Marvin as much as it matters to, you know, a fringe second round pick who's like, you know what, I got to try to get my stock up and see if I can become a first round pick or, you know, keep myself from being later in the second round. Like to them, it matters to a guy like Marvin Harrison Jr. who is a consensus top five pick most likely in this. I'm saying that because we don't know if teams, teams always trade up to take quarterbacks above everything else. So I just don't know how that's all going to fall at this point, but he's going to go top five. And with that in mind, like, what does he have to prove to these people? You know what you're getting with him. He, he has it all on the tape. I understand they probably want to interview him. I'm imagining he'll make himself available for those types of things down the line. You can always host guys on visits and all this different stuff. So fine. But I, I just don't think this matters for him. So I, I think it's the littlest deal that it could possibly be. Um, I, it stinks from a standpoint of, like, maybe scouts or people that wanted to see him that maybe didn't get a chance to see him in person – can, would have been able to see him here, but they, they, there's still a belief within the scouting community that the tape matters most of all. And he put on tape everything he could possibly put on tape. 
I don't think there's anything left for him to prove. So it doesn't matter. So when it comes to, I think it's a little deal too. Um, I am disappointed because I wanted to see Marvin at the, the, the combine. Cause I think he'd do great at it, but I think uh, like, I think I'd rather him say, you know what? I'm not going to do this testing than half ass the, or sorry, I'm not going to do this pre combine training. I'm just going to focus on getting ready for the NFL. I'm going to focus on being the best version of myself. I'd rather him make that decision and, you know, maybe rattle some people than half ass it and hurt his draft stock in some of those things. And like, listen, there are other guys. I mean, one, Robert Sala isn't going to the combine. So there are NFL head coaches who don't go because they don't see value in it. I think they're dumb. I, I actually think it matters more for the teams because of understanding like whatever's going on in the ether, who's available, who's not available. I also think it matters because once you meet these kids, I think you really, I don't think you really, I don't think you really get a sense for who somebody is until you have an honest, authentic conversation with them. And I think it's easier in a situation where the league or the team or the combine controls it than in a pro day where that guy's going to be more relaxed. So I think a head coach not doing it is ridiculous for Marvin. Listen, I mean, the only way it doesn't work is if Marvin falls in the draft. And I just can't, like, you know, uh, Lance Zerline, uh, no, NFL.com, NFL Network, Houston Radio Lore. Uh, you know, his dad was a legendary, Larry Zerline was a, uh, uh, Zerline was a legendary offensive line coach in the NFL for Pittsburgh way back in the day. I, Lance knows football, but Lance kind of threw out there like, oh, people aren't going to like this. And I have Malik neighbors as the, as wide receiver one. And I'm just like, listen, I actually think Malik neighbors is a hell of a football player, but if you take Malik neighbors before you take Marvin Harrison jr, you are a special kind of dumb. And if you do it because he did uh, Marvin Harrison jr. Didn't show up to the, the combine, you might be beyond dumb. You might be something much, much worse. Yeah, it's it's funny because like uh, you hear these NFL scouts talk themselves into guys who have like off the field issues and stuff because they're like, well, he's just super talented. And and so it's funny when something like not getting not showing up at the combine or something is held against a guy. Like, does he take the game seriously? But then there's players who like have some off the field issues. And they're like, well, we see a lot of potential in this guy. So it, it's just funny. Like, the, the, there's so much hypocrisy. I think in the way that we that that this is this these things are discussed. You bring up neighbors, by the way. I had to laugh at another thing I saw this week because PFF and my stance on PFF is always that I think they do some valuable work that nobody else or not a lot of other people are doing, right? So I think they provide some context to NFL players, college players in terms of how their season went, what they did well, all these different things. I'm willing to accept that and say yes. So I use PFF for certain things. But I also take PFF with a grain of salt sometimes because I don't know that it's like similar to the, the, the concept of drafting players. It's not an exact science. Mm-hmm. And I saw something they put out the other day that was like the most valuable wide receivers in college football last season at the FBS level. And it was Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors. And I'm fine. Like those two guys, I, I agree with you. Like I think Neighbors is going to be a really good impactful player um, in the NFL. Adunze is consensusly like wide receiver number two behind Marvin Harrison Jr. But if you're going to tell me that those two guys are more valuable than what Marvin Harrison Jr. Like I think Marvin Harrison proved he was more valuable 
than even people thought he was going to be going into this year because that offense quite literally ran through him for most of the season. We've had how many conversations, Nick, about Kyle McCord and how the only thing he could do was throw it to Marvin Harrison Jr. and hope that that, they, that he made a play. And there were so many games where it was just Kyle McCord throwing it to Marvin Harrison Jr. and he made a play. But you're telling me that those two guys were more valuable? Like, Adunze was a really good wide receiver in an offense that had a lot of other talent on it. Like there's M- more- M- Michael Penix Jr. You mean the guy yeah. who should have been the Heisman yeah. winner? Yeah. And, and, and like Pol- like Polk's going to get drafted. Like they have a bunch of wide receivers that are all going to go and get drafted potentially uh, in a couple weeks here. Like you can't tell me that that's true. So this is where this stuff is just kind of silly to me. Like half the time, and I'm not saying PFF did it this way because theirs is more like a grading system, but people are just looking for a take. People are just looking for something to say and be outraged by, and I'm not going to even sweat it. Like, if these scouts really want to be dumb and not draft Marvin Harrison Jr. because, God forbid, he didn't show up to the combine. He must not take the game seriously. Then you'll be looking for a job in about a year from now, and you'll know why. You'll know why that is, because you passed on a generational player that we all could see clear as day. Like, I don't have to be a scout to know what that Marvin Harrison Jr. is as sure of a thing as there is a sure thing. Well, and here's the thing, like you're watching this tape and you're watching him make play after play with a quarterback who is wildly inaccurate. You know what I mean? Like, and and listen, this is, I'm not trying to relitigate the Kyle McCord thing. Time is going to age really well for me. This take is going to age really well that Kyle is a middle of the road passer at this point maybe he develops I'm, i hope he does and and there's egg on my face i never root for a kid to do bad because i have a take that, that thinks that guy's not very good but like when it comes to kyle mccord look at the passes you, you might get one really nice pass out of every 10 passes from kyle most of them were wobbly inaccurate forced whatever uh hurried throws because he didn't deal well with pressure um you get Marvin in a system with a good quarterback, right? And like it's so ridiculous. You could see Marvin fall maybe as four, maybe as far as four or five, depending on how many quarterbacks come off the board right off the rip. Kyler Murray has been a troublesome quarterback when he hasn't, you know, we hasn't been healthy and he might be a little bit of a jackass. Can you imagine giving that kid friggin' Marvin Harrison Jr.? <laughs> Can you imagine if you if the, if the NFL draft you start to fall a little bit, right? And you start to see uh, New England's different because I think uh, I I don't think they're going to bring back Mac Jones, and even then I think the guy's a bit of a slap ass. But like let's let's say he does start to fall because of this. If he gets to five with the Chargers with Justin Herbert, are you kidding me? Like look at other teams. Like yeah. let, let's get really crazy here. Let's say he falls to. Um, Let's say he falls to 15 with Indianapolis and he's with Anthony Richardson. Good luck. Good luck beating him. You're going to give him to Matt Stafford. Like the NFL, listen, the NFL does some dumb things. Kyle Hamilton was a top five pick that fell to 14 with Baltimore. Tyler Linderbaum. I'm just going to go through Ravens drafts that I like. Tyler Linderbaum was a top 15 pick that fell to, I think like 20 or 25 because, well, he's in Iowa, you don't, you Iowa player. You don't want to draft a center or a guard with a top. Okay. All that dude, all both guys have gone, is done, and been some of the best players at their position. Yeah. So I dare the NFL. I dare these scouts. Because what it is, you mentioned something. I want to get back to this. I'm so glad that I'm circling back to my take finally. Um, This is about control. 
NFL teams want to see you do things the way they've set it up. It's almost like dance monkey, like dance for yeah. us. Yeah, like that's what. Yeah, it is a hundred. It's a hundred percent about well, we need to see you play the game, and that is such an old school mentality that it just doesn't put, exist put anymore. On put on the tape, and you'll see Marvin Harrison. Play exactly, the game. that is I, all. That I I uh, have said this on the record before. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. like the day he's drafted will already be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Like that that's how good he is. Um and listen, you could you could debate me on that. There's some really really good wide receivers. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, uh Devontae Adams, like we can go through the list. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. will be a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL the day he gets drafted. If you want to pass on that, good luck to you. All right, guys. Uh, so we want to hear from you in the comment section. We want to hear from you, 92 Through the Fan uh, YouTube channel. At Nick Wilson says, at Spencito underscore uh, on social media. How big deal, little deal, no deal on the Marvin Harrison Jr. thing. Not going to the combine. We want to hear your thoughts on Justin Fields and his uh, Mount Rushmore. I hate I hate mine. I, I'm looking back. I'm like, I, 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 you, you got in my head. I changed it all up. I was panicking on the fly. I hate it. Um, I need to rethink and come back. It's okay. You need to, you know what? That was your preliminary. That's your preliminary. You can reach a final Mount Rushmore. We we were starting recording. I was like, I have, I'm good. I'm good. And then I jammed you up. It's not your fault, buddy. I've been in, I poured Daryl yesterday. It was like Lima got jammed up hard yesterday. Yesterday, (laughs) This week, for some reason, maybe it's because I'm going on vacation this weekend. I jammed up everybody. So it's not just you. I apologize. Your list was fine. It was cute. It was just, it It was was just good enough. That's okay. You know what that's like, Nick? That's like, you're about to get, you're about to, um, you're about to have coitus with a girl and you, 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 you drop, you drop your pants and she says, Oh, that's cute. That you know how, how demeaning is that, Nick? Is that what you, is that is that really what you want to hear? That your um, list was cute. That that's how you that's how you I'll, end the show. Come on, I'm just gonna rest of the day now, panicking, be, overthinking things, thinking if, I'm not good enough, I'm not man enough, Nick. Thanks, thanks a lot. If if a woman ever said that when I was about to do the coitus, I'm just gonna tell you right now. I'd become a monk and I'd never do coitus again. Exactly. But that's different than your Mount Rushmore. Thank you very much. And you're ending the show by saying your list was cute. Like, come on, I'm going to be in my head the whole rest of the goddamn thing now. You know what? I'll be honest with you. Better Mount Rushmore's a little too much for me. I like a simple, nice, cute Mount Rushmore. It's not about, about the size or quality of your Mount Rushmore. It's about how well you use it. And you used it just okay there. That was just fine. I've had better Mount Rushmores for Ohio State football. And trust me, oh, phew, too much work. Oh, all that, all the, the giggles and excitement that I had. Oh, no, not that. Just give me a good, smooth Mount Rushmore, and I'm, I'm right there. A cute Mount Rushmore. <sighs> we've done some damage here today all right guys uh comment on the show page or comment on the 92 fan youtube channel please follow us everywhere you get your your podcast there uh apple spotify uh 923thefan.com the free odyssey app please follow the show we appreciate it and we'll uh, look for your comments in the section there guys we'll be back spencer will be back solo this weekend because i am going or rather later this week because i am going on a little vacay little weekend vacay there but i'll be back next week 
Spencer will be talking the combine, all that nonsense. Next week, we've got, I don't know, spring practice in the offing. So we'll see if we have a special guest or two with us next week. But uh, really appreciate you guys stopping by. Spencer, go Bucks. Yeah. <sighs>